Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And But what is it that got you to this moment? Like, what do you think made you gay? My mother! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> welcome back to that's a gay ass podcast y'all it's eric williams your host i'm so happy you're here and i am spiraling (laughs) nonstop. um ever since i recorded with zach noe towers i've been thinking nonstop about getting medicated i'm just like i think that's for me but I've procrastinated even calling the psychiatrist that was recommended to me because I have anxiety about what if the meds don't work. So now I'm just procrastinating the procrastinating of even getting the help that I think I desperately need. Uh, let me give an example. I, this past week, ran out of the melatonin I've been using nightly for some time now, and I got a different brand that I'm not used to, and... <laughs> Let's just say uh, when you up your dosage and use a different brand that is a slow-release melatonin, your dreams are going to be not okay. I had some insane dreams all night long. So for like night after night, I was sleeping horribly. I finally got off that melatonin. But at this point, I'm so exhausted that my anxiety is through the roof. So I decided a few nights ago to really treat myself. And I wanted to calm myself down. So I did what any normal person would do. I ate an edible and then jumped in the shower. Well, as I was in the shower, kind of riding the wave, I start to sing some songs. One thing led to another. I'm singing, um, I believe it was Mandy Moore's Only Hope, the 2002 classic. So I was going, you know, I give you my death, going for the bridge. I give you all of me. And then I get to the end of the song. Ooh, I'm like trying to do that scale. That's really hard. Ooh. And as I'm doing that over and over, I'm like, oh, I got to wash my face. So I put some CeraVe face wash in my hands. And as I'm going to put the face wash on my face, I inhale to sing another scale. I, um, (laughs) I inhaled some of the face wash. It immediately hit the back of my throat. I start getting this disgusting taste in my mouth. And then I realize that I'm going to die. Uh, that I've been poisoned and that poison control cannot get there fast enough. And so I get out of the shower and for the next two hours, I'm like, this is, I, I start to organize my will, kind of make sure to call my family members to tell them which of my Apple products that they'll be getting. But I actually was like starting to fully freak out. So I finally called my dad. I was like, hey, I am um, drank some face wash. Is this the end? And he was like, well, how much did you have? And I was like, a very little amount. He was like, just go watch some TV. And that's what I did. I watched 
some really kind of positive, uplifting uh, film, which was the Mia Farrow Woody Allen documentary. Jesus Christ. But it did make me feel better. I had Ben and Jerry's and I, I'm here to tell the tale. We also watched Made You Look. It's this documentary on Netflix about art theft, this $80 million crazy scheme where this painter was making very, very believable art. And it ended up, of course, being prosecuted and it was a giant deal in the art world. Well, we're watching this documentary and the story is already crazy just how the art was made and who was selling it. But then we find out that the gallery owner who was profiting off of a lot of these fake sales was Michael Hammer. Yes, that's Michael Hammer, the father of Army Hammer. (laughs) This family (laughs) continues to be in the news, and for not good reasons. I am sure you all know about Army Hammer's horrible texts that have come out of him sexting with cannibalistic desires. It's like, it's not just like a little kink where he likes, you know, something normal, like he's into feet or like, or I don't know, something like completely normal, like putting peanut butter and jelly all over your nipples. I'm kidding. Can you imagine if I revealed on this podcast that I was like, yeah, I'm super into feed and peanut butter and jelly play. Uh, No, I'm not into that. I'm just into um, being paid for sex. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't do that yet. Um, But Venmo me 20 bucks and see where it gets you. (laughs) Okay. Today on the podcast, we have Emma Willman, an incredible stand-up comedian. You maybe have seen her on the comedy lineup on Netflix. She was on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's performed on Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I did a sketch with her a few years ago with Esther, our good friend, and she is just so funny. I'll link that sketch in the notes because it's it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, but we, I've known her for years, and she is not only a great person, but so funny. We go into some very... <laughs> Really similar stories from growing up. You know, speaking of weird sex, we both had these very bizarre desires as like nine-year-old children. We also discussed Emma growing up in a small town in Maine, her recent experience with a gay clairvoyant, uh, the darkness of Twitter, and so much more. So sit back, relax, enjoy, subscribe, review. God, I love you so much. Uh, thanks for joining. That's a gay ass podcast. I'm a woman. I feel like you're just not only an amazing podcaster, but comedian and human effing being. Have you heard that you're a really good being? Because I think you are. Well, first of all, I really appreciate that. And I've heard that. And sometimes I get imposter syndrome with that because in the end of relationships, girls get really mad and they then I think they're seeing the real me. But you know what? It's okay. And then I'm friends with them later on after it and I feel healed. But But I appreciate that. And the only thing I can say to it is... I can sincerely say I do try. I do try. And we have, a, Eric and I have a mutual friend and she loves Eric so much. Esther Steinberg. She just love, both love Esther, so much love for Esther. And she always just speaks so highly of you. Uh, well, Esther is a queen and I feel, I just feel lucky that I through Esther got to meet you. And, and the fact that I get to like glean some of your genius, oh. truly. Oh. I was I was watching some of your stand up just to like really get excited to see you again and you just have so many amazing stories. I mean, talking about like growing up in a small town in Maine and I just a I'm so curious about what it was like doing that, but also I went to Maine for the first time basically ever a, a few months ago or like what? a month ago. My friend his parents had a house there that was sitting empty and so my husband and I went and it was like the coldest I've ever been. However, it was like 
gorgeous and it's Algonquit, Maine, super gay town. And it was just like, I was like, I'm going to move here. I'm going to move here. I've never been to Algonquit randomly enough. So my town, I think is like three or four hours up from Algonquit, I think. And I've always heard about it and I've been all over Maine. I've never been to Algonquit. It's like my town and that it's like a real summer community. It's unlike my town and that Algonquit is gay. Algonquit is gay oh. and there were not there were not very many um when I was growing up that that I knew of. I mean I I'm trying to think of even like out people I knew. There was this in high school there was this bisexual girl. I want to say her full name so bad for some reason. You know when it's like someone in high school like I for some reason I always want to say their full name. Why is that? <laughs> It's never anyone you've met after the age of 18. However, I spoke about, I spoke about a bully from high school and I had the same exact, I was like, I want to say not only his full name, I want social security number. I want pant size. I want everyone to know every detail. And I don't know why I have this impulse, but I do. I have such the impulse to say her full name. I'm not going to, because she did nothing. All she did was be bisexual and then met me. And so I don't, but there was this bisexual girl, um, (laughs) there and she, I remember meeting her and I, I didn't have a crush on her, but I felt drawn to her, but I really didn't know any gay people growing up. But other than that, one thing I loved about Maine is it's like, it was so small that in the town, like everybody had to come together for us to do anything. So it wasn't like the jocks, the goth kids, the popular kids, the whatever. It was like for there to be a party or there to even be prom everybody had to go. So it wasn't like, oh, just the kids that play sports have a party. There'd be no party. It'd be those 12 kids. So we have to, we literally all had to come together to have to do anything. And we'd maybe segment off when we got into it, but it was like, there'd be one party happening. So is it like the kids that would be the ones that do things like, I don't know, they'd maybe consider themselves hicks. I mean, they'd say they'd use that word, but like, if we're going to have a party, then everyone would go to their party. And then if it's like a jocks having a party, everyone goes to their party. So everyone was always hanging out together. I think, I think that was my favorite part. Probably the hardest part was just not being exposed. I I was exposed to different like classes coming together, maybe more than in other places because we would all have to come together. So you'd see that, but then I wasn't, there wasn't a lot of sexual diversity, religious diversity, there's not a lot of people of color at all. Right. There's only so much, only so much diversity amongst 11 people from Maine. I <laughs> yes. mean, so when you were, so when you were with all these groups coming together, would, how, how, how would you classify yourself? Which, like which faction of people in high school were you like theater nerd? Were you sports girl? Like, what was it? Okay. So this is, so I did play some sports, but I was so bad at it. I was really bad, but I was kind of sporty. I was in the closet and I definitely was, I would say this is going to sound kind of cliche. Like I was, I kind of would bounce between groups because I was like, quote unquote, funny a little bit. I used to get in trouble for like talking. And by funny, I mean like, like I had bad ADHD and I, I did take school really, really seriously, but I, I was in special ed for a couple classes and I, no one knew it. I was in the closet about being in special ed. So being in the closet for being gay, I didn't even think about, cause to me it was like over my dead body. Cause a lot of my friends were in the honors classes and I was like, oh, no one can know I'm in special ed. That was like what I was the most embarrassed about. I had one friend, Phil, who he was like, he's super cute. And he, him and I used to be in special ed together. And I was so closeted about that that I think I, I overswung in being in like lots of activities and being like trying to be like social and outgoing. Cause I was just like 
scared, I guess. I didn't want anyone to think I was stupid. Yeah, that's so, I mean, that's maybe part of my psychology of why I was just like, I need to get a straight A's and I need to do well because of like, I don't want anyone to think of any other faults of mine, which of oh course, God, time yes. I thought being gay was a fault. Yes. Even though I was in special ed, I was like, I have to get good grades. So like my mission in high school was, and I did end up by senior year, like getting good grades. And like, I did like getting to college and doing fine on the SAT, but like acclimating from, I went to this like hippie Waldorf school with no grades so then like acclimating from that to special ed to then getting good grades. But like, it was like over my dead body. Can someone notice anything, a fault, as you said? Would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Oh my God. That's so, um, I don't know. I don't think it's so hard for me to answer because I'm so ADHD and messy. So like, if I showed you my apartment right now, like it's, so, and I did just move in. It's so messy. Like, I don't know. Actually, Eric, I really don't know because yeah, I am in some ways. Cause I'm never like happy with, like, I always think something can be better. And then I've had this problem recently where I'll be like trying to do something and I'll get paralyzed with fear because I'm trying to start at the finish line. So I'm like, like, if it's not done, oh. I don't know where to start it. And then I, and I have this one thing that is almost done and I have to change it. But if I don't have it done, I don't even know how to make the changes. And like, I'm like, so yes, but with the caveat of I'm not, I'm certainly not. OCD clean, but I would say I am a perfectionist about some work. Stuff. I mean, totally. I think I'm a perfection. I'm a recovering perfectionist of trying to not be that way, but I'm also like not the cleanest, tidiest person, but like that whole thing about not wanting to start a project because it's not going to be the final product. The second you start it, I'm so bad with that. And I'm trying to learn that it's okay to start with something that is you're a beginner with, and then you're going to make it, you're going to edit it. You're going to draft it. It's so hard for me to write a first bad draft because my first drafts are bad, but like, as is anybody's right but it's like if i read a bad draft i I picture like the paper going into flame singeing my eyebrows off and then all of a sudden i like can't see for the rest of my life because i'm suffering from such a bad draft i wrote when in reality it's just like it's like it's just you just keep working and it's going to get a little better right i took an acting class for the first time like now i'm taking this acting class and where it's like it's not just me being like, I need to know how to audition. And I was like, okay, I actually want to learn a little bit about, act- I really want to learn about acting. And I never did the class before. Cause I was like, I'm not good. I don't want to do it. So I, I'm doing the class and I was reading scenes with this girl last night and it's like so slow. And like, we're just by the end of it, we were like, Oh, we got a little better. And I was like, wow, it's taken me 35 years to just be like, it's okay to be in a beginner's acting class and just get a little tiny bit better instead of me drinking like 15 iced coffees and being like going into a acting seminar being like, I need to learn how to act right now, insert it into my brain or I'm not even interested. And then like not even taking another class because I don't know how to be a like it. It's a good lesson to learn. I mean, I think it's hard to picture yourself going into a process that will take a really long time versus just like, okay, I'll do this one thing. I'll work on it in a week. It'll be done and I'm going to be better. I'll take this acting. I'll go to this acting seminar. And then after the seminar, I will walk out. I will be incredible. And then I will book the job in about four and a half days. I'll go on to set on the fifth and a half day. And then the awards will come about four weeks later. It's like, wait a minute. What if I have to do this thing for two more years? And then I don't book the thing for another two years. And then it's like 
ooh, it's a dry desert. You look out into the distance and you think to yourself, no, 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 no. I don't want to see all this bramble. I don't want to see all this tumbleweeds in front of me. I just want to have like the pool of acting jobs or money or whatever it is two steps away. But it turns out you might got to go a few miles down the road. You got to go a few miles down the road. It's like, you're going to be going those miles down the road no matter what. So be a little easier on yourself than when you don't think that, I mean, it's like a standard that's just so nuts and also the like prohibitive of trying because like maybe i should have started taking acting classes a couple years ago done 10 minutes a fucking week working on it instead of just being scared of it the whole time so i think when it gets like prohibitive of trying to learn that's when it's really i like i roll at myself the most and it's also interesting i think when people look at you emma willman they probably don't (laughs) think of like oh like this person is finding a tough time of starting a project or or having a imposter syndrome it's like no they just think that you're doing the thing and that they can't do it but then of course you talk to the person and they're like no 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 i'm on a journey no one no one thinks about the other person's journey because they just think it's all figured out and you know what i think part of that is social media does not help because we see people like posting the final thing of it and then you're like wait a minute i think social media definitely like compounds it because then you're scrolling through everybody's like picture album of the stuff they're doing and not necessarily what or even if they are showing you the behind the scenes it's like still kind of the polish behind the scenes so that Yes, I, I, even the pie, you know what I mean. Even behind the scenes is like a curated behind the scenes. The pro- end product is very curated. Like I'll be honest, I've had such a journey throughout the past year, especially being in quarantine, of like what social media is actually bringing yes. any sort of joy to my life. And yes. the one thing for me that's really tough is Twitter. I find like I like read a lot of the news on Twitter and I enjoy some of the banter, but some of it is so deeply chaotic that I have to like I unplug for days or weeks at a time and i think wow am i like missing out on being on the beat but i'm like also i'd rather you know be able to sleep a little deeper at night than know that like this person is mad about this uh, this other person let me ask you a question about twitter how do you use twitter because i've never gotten into so the so i haven't gotten into like when you use it is it for news or do you start like where i have a problem in social media is if there's like certain people i was following where i was like this person i'm not interested in them and they don't bring me anything and I'm only following them and it gets me upset. So I just like kind of stop. But with Twitter, I never, I'll go in and I even made a fake account and I'll like look at news or like drama stuff from that. But like, how do you use it? Like, are you like, I'm doing it to promote my jokes or like, what do you, how do you use it? I mean, I'll be honest. We are two people that aren't, that don't use Twitter well. Cause like I am out of all the social medias, Twitter is my, is the one I'm the worst at. I just, it, for me, what I, what I like Eric Williams go to look at it. I go to look at like definitely some new stuff. I will try out some jokes and things on there, but because I don't want to spend seven hours every day, it's, it's good. But like the people that I find the most successful are on Twitter are the least happy and the ones that spend the most of their time on it. And I don't know if the negatives outweigh the positives of, okay, you have a giant audience on Twitter. And of course, this is me generalizing a lot of people who are unhappy spreading chaos. There are a lot of people that are doing it so well, they're able to post 10 times a day and then put their emotional attention elsewhere and still like get, you know, feedback. They have writers, I bet you more than anything. I bet you there's a machine behind that we don't even know about. If they're posting 10 times a day and doing all that stuff, they've got something that we don't even, they've got a whole fucking factory behind them. That's what I think. 
There probably is a factory of like 21 year old gay people that are just like, okay, like giving all the popular vernacular and going off about BB Rexa. I wish I I wish I had a more topical reference than BB Rexa, but we get the point. It's just Twitter is hard. You have to be very good at it and spend just a lot of time or have an army behind you of a factory of young queer people that are just tap, tap, tapping, tap, tap, tapping. Got to be young queer people too. It has to be. I mean, I, I, I think straight people, um, straight people aren't, don't offer a lot. I'm kidding. Um, but listen, listen, I do. I, I love to hear about your upbringing. Talk about like being a beginner and editing to become what you are right now. People probably look at you. They're like, just like, oh, she's just like confident, smart, amazing comedian. But what is it that got you to this moment? Like, what do you think made you gay? My mother. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> our moms did so much and part of it was probably making us gay um when you were like growing up and identifying with anything even gay related like a friend of mine loved mia ham like the soccer Mm. player mia ham Mm. there were posters in her bedroom and at the time i you know was just like into my my purple jacket and i wanted us to do little skits and she was playing soccer and and putting up her mia ham poster and i was just like yeah we're just two people doing the things we love and then i came out to her my senior year of high school and I took her to these fountains in St. Louis and I was like so listen you know I'm gay and boo 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 and she was of course so supportive and then a year later we were in the car and she goes oh I need to tell you something and I think we should go back to those fountains and I was like okay (gasps) are you And then we just, and we were in the garage of my parents' house and she like nodded at me that she was gay. And it was like, I was like, oh my God, this, like we had known each other since we were literally a month old. I mean, our moms Mm -hmm. were our best friends. And Mm -hmm. so when when she came out to me, I was like, we have had such a close bond our entire lives. And now it's even closer because I'm realizing all of the things that we identify with were of course, partially just because we were friends and, you know, both Jewish, you know, but like oh also we were both growing up trying to figure out who and what we were in st louis missouri and it turns out we're both gay and that was me asking you a question and giving you a very long story but But, um and you guys had no idea the other one was gay isn't that interesting that like it's like we it's like being so not aware of how like like because now i bet if you guys spent like even an hour together even if you were both deeply in the closet just knowing yourselves more you've been like gay gay you know what i'm saying because like i can pick up on that Yes. Pretty quick now. A hundred percent. But when you're zoomed into something, yeah. you it's hard to see the the total picture. But when you go out, it's like, oh, duh, duh, duh. But yeah, that's that's very interesting. I had okay, so I've got really young memories of things that were very queer, starting with I remember my sister who's 19 months younger than me. I always wanted to play these games where it was like I was a prince and she was a princess, and we would run around in the woods and like she would get captured and I'd have to fight the lion and it was very, very gendered. And then I had these, these friends, all my friends were like, like when I was really young, I did have friends that were girls, but then I'd say like six, seven, eight, my friends all started being guys and we would play like swords. And I remember I had this friend, Josh, and we used to go in the woods and pretend the tr- this is like rural Maine guys pretend the trees were women and we would like kiss the trees and like feel their boobs. Like <gasps> I know. And, but we were so young that Josh wasn't like, wait, oh what are you God. doing? 
And then I had a friend, Harrison, and we used to <laughs> Google boobs. And we would just sit there. And his, I remember his mom would be at, at my house. My mom would was, before my parents divorced, my mom would be there. And then Harrison's mom was a nurse. So she, like we would get home from, it would be the like first or second grade, third grade, whatever. His mom would still be at work. So we'd have a couple hours to eat our snacks that she laid out. And we were allowed to watch some TV programs, but little did she know we weren't, we were watching Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake, and then Googling like what we saw on that. And then that led to us discovering porn and being like, just Googling like sex boobs. There was one episode I remember it was like, my husband's a religious figure, but he's also cheating on me with my daughter. And both of us were like, Oh shit. And I just remember Harrison at one point being like, Hey, don't you want to Google penises? And I was like, what? And he was like, I mean, he was like, I don't, but he was like, I thought, cause he was like, I just realized, cause like, wouldn't it be like, if you're like a girl, like you'd want to Google that. And he was really fucking cool about it. At, cause he goes, he's like, I don't care. I just wanted to see if you wanted to, like, you know, you can, he's like, I don't want to, like, I'll go. But he's like, I don't want to be the only one Googling porn. And I was like, no, I want to watch this too. He was like, great. But like, I just thought that was so cool. Like he was just like, wait, Emma. It was like, he just realized I was a girl for the first time. And I did, I was such a mass. I was, I never really, I maybe had some gender dysmorphia from a young age. Cause I was like, oh wait, who's the, he was like, wait, wouldn't a girl want this? And I was like, oh wait, who's the girl? And I was like, oh, oh, uh, well, no, I don't want, uh, no. And then we just went back to looking at boobs. And then I remember when gender kind of started getting like more enforced on me in eighth grade, that is when some of my friendships with those guys, like I had to start reconsidering. Cause it was like, okay, you're going to high school now, time to wear a dress, time to put on makeup and, and time to pretend you don't want to sit and Google boobs with Harrison. And, you know, but I, I was so fucking queer as all human. I was, and I used to have sex dreams about getting blowjobs from women in a cave. I'd be a guy, young Eric. This is like my first dreams. I remember, I remember the dream was I would go into a cave and there was an understanding in the cave that there would be it's okay to get, this is a little dirty. Please. Okay. There would be women. Now I was like fucking young. So I don't know where I got this visual from, but there'd be like women in like tattered clothes on their knees. And I would go in and I was like, I didn't picture what the penis was, but I had something that I could like put into a tube. So I had an apparatus and I would put it in the tube and then the girl would like suck me off. And then it'd be like, Oh, I kind of hope she doesn't know. Like my thing I put in the tube is different. And like, and then, like, I would, like, bang the princesses. But it's, like, I didn't even know how to picture that. So it was just, like, be me, like, kind of, like, I don't know. And I started humping my pillow. I was fucking pillows. I was a beast. I mean, it goes to show you that we have these desires and thoughts that we can't explain at a young age. And, of course, like, society tells us what is normal, which, of course, is not normal. But the, you're bringing up, I mean, it's honestly more relatable than you think that you were having these, like, very graphic cave dreams about getting blown by women. My dreams, when I was probably eight or nine years old, I've told maybe one or two people this, but I, my dad, my dad owns a pharmacy, Oh, that's cool. Very cool. And I would be I would be at the pharmacy all the time. They sold Beanie Babies. Of course I was there. 
Absolutely. I had these, I would dream about some of the adult men that would go to the pharmacy. And in my dreams, I would be inside the pharmacy and like time would stand still so that I could do whatever I wanted. And I would climb these men like a tree. I was like an eight or nine year old child. And I would, in my dream, climb the men that were wearing business suits and Mm. then just start making, making out with them ferociously, just like go into town. And I can still picture one of these men who probably is not an attractive human but just in my young confused self i was just like like there was something about the suit he wore and the scruff and i could not explain and i think i remember telling my mom i had a dream of kissing a man and i was really upset about it and this is before i really knew the ramifications about it because after i started to hit like early teenage years i of course did not speak a word of any of these feelings. exactly that's when you start self-editing because you're like wait a minute I have some inkling of where I'm, what direction I'm, but it's interesting. You were scared too. Do you remember what your mom said? Um, I think, you know what she said, I think is that like, not to worry about my dreams. And she thought that maybe because Mm -hmm. I was being made fun of for being gay, my thoughts were telling me to have gay thoughts. Which, of course, was her way of processing what she thought was maybe happening, which was, of course, not happening, was that I was deeply gay. But I in in that moment, I was like, oh, I guess she's right. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to stress as hard as I was about these thoughts because maybe they're not real. And then the older I got, I was like, they're real. They're real. real. They're very real. Uh, but then, you know, and then, of course, by the time I finally did come out, it was just like the years and years and years of pressure and of shame that was like, it's not worth the shame. It's not worth yes. carrying around this weight. And the second I came out, obviously, weeping in a Chicago O'Hare airport, like, mm-hmm. let's be very clear. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. I'm free. It was like, I'm right. weeping. However, the second I said it and kind of dried my tears... I could feel that my physical body feel lighter. I was like, I really? I just knew that it was going to be a challenge to move forward by making this quote unquote change by letting people around me know. But I knew in my gut that it was going to be easier than 18 years of keeping it down. There's something so hard about holding a secret, no matter what it is. I was doing, even recently, I was doing something wrong where I was in a relationship with someone for a long time. And I started doing things that were, that were not right. You know, I started sexting somebody else and I didn't handle the end of it. Right. And, um, when that came to light, even though I had handled it wrong and I felt so much shame and remorse about the way I had done it, even in hat and I, and hurt at hurting someone, even in having it get exposed, even though it was like a bad thing, I still felt lighter because at least it was the truth. And I don't want to recreate that, but it's just like yeah. when you hold, I think I, I was so disconnected from myself that even when I, I did feel better when I came out. I think I still, I did feel a lot. I did feel a lot lighter when I came out, but I remember, I think, I think I was still so used to like compartmentalizing and segmenting things off. It was like, okay, this one box is open, but I didn't. Now, if I have a lie and I release it, I feel it, that lightness so much more because I'm, I'm just like more open to, but I did feel lightness when I came out. Well, I think it's also really interesting that you're even talking about doing things that you were not proud of that hurt someone and that, but the shame you felt not only of hurting someone, but of keeping the secret. Mm -hmm. I think that I've, I've had experiences like that too, where I was, you know, dating my ex and if anything, if I were, if I was withholding any information and I Mm -hmm. felt such guilt about it, I learned in later 
in later relationships that it's not worth doing the thing to begin with that might make you feel shame because the the pain that comes with holding it in does not if even if you have like you know, let's say you're sexting someone and for those, you know, 20 minutes you're sexting, it feels really great. The 20 minutes you learn after a time, oh, wait a minute, those 20 minutes of good feelings is not going to be worth the weeks or however long you have to hold something in and then the ramifications. And that I, I honestly, like, you know, I've been with Matt now for seven years and like, wow. it's clearly, you know, there are people been together for 20, 30, 40 years. So it's like, I know I have perspective that it's not forever, but I think I've learned a pattern of doing things that I would never want to withhold from him. And so even mm-hmm. if I'm flirting with someone and I would start to feel a little guilty of the flirting, I would either right away tell Matt, or mm-hmm. I would just take a, check in as to like what what level of this feels okay and if i ever feel any sort of guilt about it the first thing i do is i I go to matt and i'm like like can you like look at this thing that happened and then usually Mm -hmm. it's like it starts a dialogue and then you know if it is something that's like oh i i don't even know what it would be just something that would make him feel uncomfortable it's like immediately it's been put into the open and i'm not so deep into it that i've done irreparable damage if that makes any sense it makes so much sense and i think that's like it has to start out in the truth and then you know i I remember i was with this one person once and she used to always tell me anytime she flirted with someone and that felt but the way that she did it wasn't in the way you're describing she did it in a way where i was like am I not giving you enough attention because you're doing this to like show me that see the way you're describing it is exactly what I would want. I think that's exactly what I would want because it's more like, this is what I did with my behavior. I want you to know the way she would do it where it was not that for me would be when she'd be like, this person thinks I'm hot. This person thinks I'm hot. This person thinks I'd be like, I get it. Also, she was a stripper. So I was like, okay, every single day you're going to have people telling you that you're this, like, I don't need to hear about that. But I think what would work in a relationship for me too is what you just said, where it'd be like, because it's just getting it out in the open where it's like, okay. And also thinking about like, okay, why did I do that? Was it just fun? Why did I think I need that? And not ever wanting to cross the line of like disrespect. I, yes. it, it, in the past couple of years, I had been focusing on relationships that felt like intellectually and spiritually fulfilling, but then I wasn't like seeking out partners that were also maybe into like maybe a little bit kinkier stuff. And then what would happen is sex isn't everything, but it is important. And you have to kind of match up there too. And like, that isn't just a queer thing. It's like uh, trying to figure out what you like and what other people like and where sex works too has definitely been a process. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, that's, I think why finding a match is so difficult because you have to check off so many boxes. And that's why I think expectations when you do meet someone have to be you have to be really open with what you're looking for but also have the expectations be lower of not where it's going to go i have a message to a friend of mine when i met matt i i sent a message i was like i really like this guy i don't know where it's gonna go but i'm really like it's he's so great and Mm. i felt guilty of being like I don't know where because like I think you just want to be like I met my husband and I've met my wife I've met my lifelong partner yes. this is it but actually that sort of pressure does not exactly I think encourage natural growth wait did you know when you met Matt did you know right away he's my man did you know it's a really good question Emma um hmm. I know it takes a little I did time. Not- it takes time to know it takes time to get to know someone and we're more guarded the older we get but I did not know I would marry him when I met him. I did know 
that I was going to be obsessed with him, but I did not know. I did not know how far it was going to go. Cause think about it. There are so many things that people uh, have as they think of either non-negotiables or they picture their partner as a certain way. I'll be very honest. Like I went to, in talking about our friend Esther, you know, I, I went to yeah. Israel when I was uh, right out of college. And I was like, you know, I had an amazing time with my new friends and, ta- and you know, I was kind of embracing my Jewishness. And I was like, okay, yeah. I, I think I want, if I have kids, I would like to raise them in a Jewish way. And so it'd probably be easier with a Jewish partner. And by no means did I say, I want to marry a Jewish person. Not at all. Mm-hmm. But I, because I, re- I remember my parents, I think at one point were like, you know, it'd be nice if you did. And I was like, mom, dad, listen, there are like the percentage of Jews in the world is like 0.01% of the world is Jewish. Now think about gay Jewish people. You were telling me, me that I have about four and a half people to choose from in the country and I have to make one of those work. That's not exactly something I'm going to work with here. Eric, wait, that's a really, that could be a really funny sketch. And that is really relatable. I think with like how people's like parents are with dating too. Like, but also like that, that when you start doing that, like thing in your head of like who and how is this all going to line up? And then like, say everything does line up, but like they fucking love ferrets or something. And you're like, Oh God, like, everything lines up like they're into the same sex stuff they're they're they inspire me they're this they're that but then there's like one fuck and you're like god damn not everyone's gonna be perfect but that is that is just funny to think about like when i can just like picture that like in your head being like jewish queer even though there are a lot of queer jewish but and that's the thing. That's the thing. There's actually an organization in New York called Hebrew, which is, you know, queer Jewish people that party together. And mm-hmm. it's like an amazing example of all of the Jewish LGBTQ people. And it's, it's yeah. an amazing organization. Actually, a guy that I've met through uh, this really cool queer synagogue, his name is Jason, and he's the head of Hebrew. And it's like the coolest thing. That being said, though, I did not go to Hebrew. I met Matt in the line of an audition and that's why when i met him i was like he is beautiful we have a connection but i don't know if you know i don't know if this is a lifelong thing and then as we were together longer and longer it became apparent that we were great together and then we would have tough times and then we would, we would work through the tough times and what i found is when we worked through those things we came out better than we were before and that proved to me that we were in it for the long haul because we were able to persevere and and grow with each other. We're, we're, we've been growing with each other in a way that feels like we're growing together and listening to each other for what their, the other person's priorities are and letting the other person change. I mean, Matt changed careers. I'm, mm. doing, I'm doing a podcast. I'm a different person. Yes, yes, but yes. Like, the new me. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, I, I don't know anything about relationships, but what I do will say is I do know from my personal experience that there are certain things that people hold on to that mm. it's not necessarily serving you, especially when you first meet someone or are looking for someone. Yes, totally. I know now for me too, I have to be looking for someone that I am interested in and it's not me being interested in trying to win someone over and me having enough self-worth to be like, okay, you you can win someone over or not, whatever. How do you feel about the person? You know, I swear to God, I met someone recently that's just been rocking my world. And I asked this, I asked a psychic and he goes, this is who you're going to marry. No, he was a clairvoyant. He said, this is who you're going to marry. And then I asked another card reader and they said, nope, this you just have a lot of sexual chemistry with this person. 
and they direct the sexual, she goes, and they direct the sexual chemistry at everybody. So you need to step away. The sexual chemistry is infecting everything. How? What the fuck? I know. I haven't even told, I have forgot, I forgot to tell that anywhere else. Yeah. 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 I, so it was like two weeks ago. Wait, Emma. Yeah. What do I do? Isn't that weird? So two weeks ago, I mean, one, one was with a clairvoyant gay guy. And I was like, are you picking up anything in this person I met? Because she's kind of rocking my world in every way. He's like, I get wedding bells. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And he's like, she's going to make you feel amazing. Like, blah, blah. And then I actually was talking to her about psychic stuff. And she's like, well, what would you do if like a psychic said something bad about me? Because I don't think she believes in that stuff, which I, I take it with a grain of salt too. And I was like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I was like, if somebody, they said something really bad, I guess I'd be a little skeptical. And I was like, but don't worry about it. They said something good. She's like, okay. And then I fucking asked this tarot card reader who I've never met. We just correspond online a couple times a year. I said, do you get anything in your cards about this woman? And she said, you have great sex chemistry, but she's like this with everybody. Step back. Oh, my God. Well, what does your gut tell you for which per- the gay clairvoyant or the Instagram tarot reader? Which one, Which Which does your gut feel to trust more? I think she's absolutely amazing and is to- like so communicative and has such clear boundaries and uh, is really inspiring. And, and I want to keep getting to know her. Is she also someone who could win a lot of people over because she's very charming and attractive? And maybe I'm just getting caught up in that. Could be. But also I'm interested. So I don't fucking I don't know. Yeah, Uh, I think it sounds what you're doing is really healthy, I think. It's like the way you speak about her is in a way of respect and admiration and also infatuation. And I feel like you feel very grounded with your head on your shoulders about what's happening. And you're going to, it sounds like you're taking it as it comes versus putting unrealistic expectations. The fact that this gay clairvoyant was like, I hear wedding bells, you're going to wear a Versace. It's like, well, hold the phone. I like, I want to, let's not think about what I'm going to wear quite yet. But like, but that being said, I, I think it's so impossible to know early on, but you just have to honor your feelings in the moment and just try to act in the moment without putting too much expectation to hurt the future this being said i'm really interested in you talking about the clairvoyant and the tarot stuff because i'm i'm the same as you i am into it take it with a grain of salt but i love it matt on the other hand is like if i say mercury in retrograde he cannot roll his eyes harder however our equipment was not doing very well today hello mercury hello hi Anyway, yes. Don't I, you kind of want to be with someone that isn't into it? Because imagine if you were with someone that was like also super into it, it'd maybe be too much. Like it maybe be a little too much. Because if I was with someone that was as into it, it'd be a little like the house would be, we'd be living in a crystal, like so paranoid about like everything. So hearing you say that is making me think I'm always with people that aren't into it. The second that Mercury goes into retrograde, if two people were both into it, you would like take all of the mirrors down, you would cover the right. windows and you would right. never, you would not leave your house for three and a half months. Um, that being said though, I was in New Orleans with a show and I got my cards read and they were saying that, you know, luckily great things about Matt. And it was, I think like less than a year before we got married. So I was just like, thank mm. goodness that this was a good report. But I think that they said something about like, career-wise things would explode and, and they said things that made me feel good it didn't really end up happening but but you don't know I, when it will overall 
That's true. And that's true. And I, I, I overall feel like I'm really into that tarot stuff. Part, part of the time I'm nervous to do it is because of if you get a really bad reading, I just know that it could really affect me in a way that sometimes yes. I'm afraid. Like if I could pay a clairvoyant right now, I would absolutely love the idea of doing that. And I would probably talk myself out of it because mm. I'd be too afraid of what the report would be. Like, can you imagine? They were like, so it looks like you will be evicted. Um, you're going to have to quit the entertainment business and you are going to work at a, a shoe store part time. It's like, but then you'd be well, that's like, that's where I saw my life going. And also then you could be like, okay, good to know that something in the cards is maybe steering me towards that. So I'm going to, do everything I can to be hyper aware of all the universal signs to then not go down that road. You know what I'm saying? And be like, Oh really? That's what they fucking say. If I trip and fall and like hurt somebody and they sue me and then I need money. And they're like, my dad owns a shoe store and you have to work here to pay it off. Fine, fine, fine. I'll be like, okay, universe, I see you right now. And I'm going to try to document all of this and make videos about working in a shoe store and hope that that gives me a new angle on something like you wouldn't, you know what I mean? And you know? then I'm going to get a reality show on TLC about working in a shoe store. And then, you know, bing, bang, bong, I'm back on track, baby. Exactly. And there's times I've got the, the card reading the tarot card reader. Like it's interesting too. And it's like, not, we've never met in person. And, but she, damn, she does say some, like just that she even, I gave her no info and just that she was like, this is an extremely sexual connection. I was like, Wow. Cause I've had her read cards before and she hasn't said that. And it is a very sexual connection. So I was like, interesting, interesting, interesting. So I dig it. I, I just, wow. That is interesting. Isn't it interesting? And I'm into, I'm like, what's your Zodiac sign? Virgo. I'm on the okay. cusp. I'm Virgo Libra cusp. End of Virgo. I'm end of Sagittarius. So I'm Sagittarius Capricorn, but like it's all my houses are in Sagittarius. So I'm like too much fire. Mm, sure, sure, sure. It's also interesting, like which signs really do well together. And Matt is an Aquarius. And I believe that Virgos and Aquarius, uh, Aquarii are good. But also like, I just can't, I didn't really look up our compatibility until after we got married. I just can't imagine like <laughs> all of a sudden looking at every website was like, you do not belong together. Oh, he's a Pisces. Absolutely. Although I will say my ex was a Pisces and ooh. Girl, Pisces, but what would happen Pisces if scare me just because of that? Well, yeah, you, you get you have an experience with one person, and then you're like, oh, which is how prejudice works. Which literally that made me understand prejudice more thinking about how I am with zodiac signs. When people are like, oh, this group of people, I'm like, how can you think that? How can you think that about a group of people? And then I flash cut to me being like, Scorpio, fuck, fucking get out of here! My dad don't have in the apartment. You can't vote. And then it's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Right. Like, instead of being like, so Turned blown out. away that people are not like open towards others. And then I'm like, I saw this meme. I thought it was so fucking funny about my friend Eli said it to me about how people are like, gender is a social construct. I don't believe in gender. But then when they're talking to their animals, they're like, who's a boy? You're a boy. You're a little boy. Boy, 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 Mr. Man. And I, it just made me think of that. And it's like, yeah, it's so true. Like, well, here's the deal is that people, when it comes to themselves, they, they can only say, Oh, I would never be prejudiced. Oh, I would never do something in COVID world that would be considered unsafe. But if another person does anything that they consider slightly better, how dare that person and when it comes to themselves, though, it's like, I would never be, I would never be racist. I would never be transphobic. Right. I would never be anti-Semitic. I would never be. And, but then it cuts to like all Sagittarius's are, don't deserve to live. It's like, well, wait a minute. That is a group of people. Um, exactly. deeming it okay to have that opinion. Exactly. That's Dang. funny. I mean. You want to do a sketch about that? 
My goal. I do. We're start, coming up with a lot of good things here. My goal is to start creating more sketch, like creating anything. And I think that'd be a good, well, not creating anything, creating things that are like fun and I feel good about, but I think that'd be a good, I think that'd be a funny sketch. I like absolutely, quick, I'm with you hundred percent. So you still, so your podcast inside the closet with Matea Lane, it is still, it'll still rip roaring and happening. I mean, you, you were still, how long have you been Love to have you on sometime. Well, I'll have Tyler, our intern who's been with us. He's more of like a pro- producer. I, I feel a little weird saying he's an intern, but uh, I'll have, he can reach out to you. We have, we have been doing it now for God. I feel like Mateo and I, we started doing it like before everyone was podcasting. We were like really ahead of the trend. And then since then we've like fallen behind in every single aspect of technology. Like we like jumped on the podcast train, but like we did never did like the video or all the stuff that other people like they started later and then took to it really quick. But we, Oh God. And our technology for a while, like, it would literally be me calling him while I'm driving and he'd be in Spain with like bad reception on our phones, just recording our phone calls with the atrocious audio so bad. It's, I, 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 it's truly offensive to be honest. This was years ago. We've got all that kind of sorted out, but we've been doing that for, yeah, I'd say like four years, every Thursday we missed, maybe missed five in the whole time, but we've been, that's the, that. And then I do the scroll. Taylor Strecker show. Um, but that's once a week, that's probably a paywall. I was doing my own podcast and then I just, I want to get back to it, but I, I just need to reconfigure some things. Well, I actually have a very funny Mateo Lane connection is that on mm. my, I'm like, I think Mateo is so amazing. And it was my birthday, my 30th birthday, like a year and a half ago. And for my birthday, Esther got me, Esther did cameo before cameo was a thing. She asked Ooh. Mateo to record me a video and she, and texted to her. And so then Esther showed me a video that Mateo recorded. And I felt probably like silly that, Esther was making this person record a stranger a birthday video, but also it was like a Mateo Lane birthday video, and I was absolutely it, it made my day. What a, what a, what a good man he is! I love that she did that. So I'll tell you this: Mateo has a deep seated, well documented hate for cameo. So that she asked that with no recommendation mm. thing of cameo, I'm sure he was like, "Sure, great cameo for some, he hates it." I just been on cameo recently, like, and then if someone wants to do me to do birthday shout out. I'll fucking lay it on thick, happy to do it. Literally, whatever. I'm down for one. I'll do whatever. But he was like, I'm against it. I don't like it. And then the people at Cameo, for some reason, have zeroed in on him. Not some reason. I, I probably, He'd probably be very popular in Cameo. But when they first started, they had like people going to his shows and pretending to want to be at a meet and greet and then popping up being like, sign up for Cameo. So he was like, he like despises Cameo. Okay, I love this inside gossip about. Yeah, he the, hates cameo. The, and he told the like head. He was like, "Who's the head of the company?" I'm messaging them like, "You're harassing me. Stop it!" Like, I want nothing to do with you. So that's great that he did that with Esther, and that there was no cameo even mentioned. I mean, it makes me appreciate it even more to know that he is a deep seated thing about cameo. Which I get. Cameo is a weird. Cameo is a weird thing. When I first saw it pop up, I was like, "You're paying people to like do some of the some of the videos are like really janky." And but I understand mm-hmm. if it's like a big star. That being said, I will not remember this person's name, but my friend Hannah got her husband a cameo for Valentine's Day. He's he's a guy on TikTok that, that does really good Kiera Knightley impressions. Oh, funny. And Hannah had him make a cameo for her husband, and it was like i'm not joking the production Amazing. quality was unbelievable it like the writing the editing it was all so well done and i was like okay this is actually incredible that he put all this energy into it and like 
I hope, you know, I hope that he's okay. I hope he has time to rest because videos like that take so long that, and also he was a specific character angle. I hope he does too, because, you know, when when you undervalue yourself like that, it will, in the long run, you can't do do that. I'm, I'm gotta be one of the cheapest cameos and look, look, I'll, I'll dance around and holler and be real, but it's not the production quality is rough. That's why it's 1999. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think that is perfect though. It's because you are setting up the expectation. I think cameo in general is like such a wide range of the types of things yes. you can pay for and receive. Yes. But listen, everyone's doing what we can. We're all, we're all trying to make the things in the way we can. And <laughs> No shade. Waves a crystal around. I have my prosperity. <laughs> if I had my prosperity crystal near me, I would take it and wave it around. Uh, we'll make sure today to touch our prosperity crystals, yes. our money tree. And I just want to thank you so much for joining me on That's a Gayest Podcast, Emma. It's just always a joy to speak with you, truly. Anytime. My pleasure. Great to see you too. Hope you enjoyed. That was such a fun talk with Emma. And make sure you hit that subscribe button because we have some amazing guests coming up. I just confirmed one of my favorite podcasters coming on that to Gay Podcast. So make sure you follow us on Instagram at Gay Podcast. Follow me at Eric Wills. And we'll see you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.